Well, tonight in uh, Proverbs 4, we're going to continue on this series we're calling The Wisdom of God. And this may be our last uh, session on this. The Lord's dealing with me about some other things. Uh, last for right now. Because the wisdom of God is so vital, so important, that, uh, you know, we're not through with that. But I am so pleased at uh, just what studying these things has done for me and helped me. Uh, the wisdom of God is just more real to me than, than before. I'm seeing things I wasn't seeing. And I believe the wisdom of God is increasing in us. Would you say amen? amen? In Proverbs 4, down in verse 5, he said, Get Wisdom, get understanding. Who's the understood subject? You. You get wisdom. You get understanding. If the Lord tells you to do it, then what should you do? You should get it. Well, it must be available. Or he wouldn't tell us to get something that wasn't available. Or wasn't available yet. He'd say, well, okay, as soon as I make it available, get it. No, if he says get it, what does that mean? If Ma rings the dinner bell and goes, come and get it, what would you suppose? It's on the table. Right? Ready. Well, wisdom is ready for us. We're not waiting on that. Understanding is ready and available to us. We're not waiting on God to give it to us. And so it would be inappropriate to beg God month after month to give you some wisdom and think you're waiting on him. Because he could have just as easily said, beg me. Couldn't he? <laughs> See, people rewrite the Bible. Don't they? They say, well, yeah, I know it said that. But you know, it means this. We just have to ask him. And when he gets ready to give it to us in his own good time and in his own good way, he will if he wants to. Well, why didn't he say that? Why didn't he say it then? Beg me for wisdom, and when I get ready to, if I want to, I'll give you some. Why didn't he just say it like that? (laughs) Now, I'm not just saying that for this passage of Scripture. You do understand, people do that with the Bible all over the place. No matter what it says, they want to explain it away so that no faith is required, no responsibility for us at all. It's just all up to God if and when he decides to. Well, why didn't he say it like that? Because it's not true. He said it the way he intended to say it. The way he meant to say it. And that's how it is. Which is what? Get it. Get it. <laughs> then if we don't have it, why? Because we didn't get it. Is it his fault? No, because he told us to get it. Right? Could we have gotten it? Obviously could have because he said get it. He wouldn't have said get it if you couldn't get it. So for these weeks now, we've been what? We've been getting it. We've been getting it. Getting what? Getting our wisdom. Laying hold of it by faith. Endeavoring to understand more about it. And we're not just teaching and preaching on the subject. We're believing as God unfolds the word to us, this comes into us. 
And as we receive this, it comes into us stronger and is growing and increasing like the mustard seed. Even if it started small, expanding and expanding and expanding until it becomes a great tree. He said, get wisdom, get understanding, don't forget it, don't decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, she'll preserve you. Love her, she'll keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all your getting, get understanding. What's the recurring thought here? Get it, get it, get it, get it. Somebody say, okay. I'm getting it. We found out that wisdom literally means, if you look up the words, it means skill. And in looking to understand why he would say skill, it's the skill in mastering living, mastering life, living life as God intended, living life up to God's standard. It requires the wisdom of God to live life the way God intended. And we saw that foolishness is the opposite of this. And it has to do with uh, being unaware, being heedless, not having a clue. Fools are continually surprised. Why did that happen? You know, always surprised. The wise man sees what's coming. The wise man thinks about if I do this, then this is going to happen. And if I keep doing this, I'm going to wind up here. And so if it's bad, the wise man will go, so we're not going to do it. There is no wisdom in sin. There is no wisdom in sin. Anybody that would have enough wisdom and understanding and discernment to look at sin. I don't care if you're talking about lying Talking about stealing, talking about committing adultery, I don't care what you're talking about. If you would look at it, instead of just yielding to your flesh, you go, okay, all right, I want to do this. My flesh wants to do it bad. But if I do, then what comes next? And then what comes next? The wisdom that will see the progression and where it's going, the wise man or woman will go, "Mm mm-mm, nope, I ain't doing that. It ain't worth it. But a fool just doesn't even think about that and just blares into something and finds out later, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's a fool. Not faith life church people. We have the wisdom of God. We have gotten and are getting our wisdom. So God's helping us. We're thinking and contemplating and looking and asking him. Before we speak, before we leap, before we do. He said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And how many of them? Every one of them. And he shall direct your paths. You'll be walking and operating in wisdom. So we talked some about what wisdom is and what it's not. We also talked about the beginning of wisdom. How that you must hunger for wisdom. And we saw that wisdom is crying out for us. And we must cry out for it. 
and seek it. It must be something precious to us. That's why we spent week after week. We're after this. It's precious. Why we're not spending the time on something else. It's so important. We saw that you got to be teachable. You got to receive correction. You got to watch your words. We saw that if you walk with wise people, you'll be wise. If you hang out with fools, you'll pay for it. We saw that there is the counsel of the godly and there is the counsel of the ungodly. We saw there is something called a devilish wisdom. And it's up to us which one we receive, which one we reject. Of course, the more you know the word, the quicker you identify godly counsel or ungodly. Because godly counsel is going to sound like this book. It's from the same source. It's from the same author. And if it contradicts this book, it couldn't be godly wisdom. Couldn't be godly counsel. We talked about the wisdom of Daniel. How Daniel had an excellent spirit. And how that the spirit of excellence is the spirit of wisdom. And sometimes people talk about the spirit of excellence, the spirit of excellence. And in their mind, it just means doing things the best you know how. And there's an element of that, but really it goes far beyond that. Doing things with the spirit of excellence, as is mentioned in the scripture, means doing things by the spirit of wisdom. And again and again, that's beyond the best you knew. Did you hear me now? You didn't know how to do it, and then God showed you his way, which was so much higher than your way. And it was the more excellent way. And now you can do it in a way that really properly represents him. And do it in the way that it should be done. How are you able to do it so excellently? By the wisdom of God. He showed you how to do it. Can you see that? We talked about that. We camped on that. We talked about wisdom and riches. We saw that when wisdom comes, it literally comes hand in hand. Right? With longevity and wealth. That's not our talking. That's not charismatic talk. That's not word of faith talk. That's Bible talk. So, man, if you're interested in living a long time, you want to find out about wisdom. Interested in prospering, you want to find out about wisdom. Now, we've talked about discerning what is good, discernment. We're going to talk more about that tonight. And last time we talked about wisdom and waste which still has to do with discernment. Go with me, if you would, to Philippians. Philippians, the first chapter. He said, Philippians 1.9, he said, This I pray that your love may abound, yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. We've been talking about wisdom and understanding and discernment. What does discernment mean? What is discerning? Just the word difference. People attach all kind of goofy, goofiness to I've got discernment. I have spiritual discernment. And a lot of times they'll roll their eyes back in their head. and I'll give you the eye. I have discernment. And a lot of folk have the gift of suspicion. (laughs) 
got nothing to do with God and are just weird. <laughs> but there's cure for that. I mean, don't, if you've been weird, don't be depressed. You can get healed and delivered and be wise. A lot of times people have been goofy just out of ignorance. Just didn't know any better. And sometimes people are goofy because they're unteachable. They have been taught better, but they wouldn't receive it. They think they know it all. They think they're the only ones that know the Holy Ghost. And that's why people stay goofy and develop in goofiness (laughs) and become goofier as the years go by. (laughs) We don't want that to be you or me, so let's be teachable. Right? And... uh, This word judgment has to do with that. You'll see it discerning in verse 10 that you may approve. That word's also translated try things that are excellent. That's the word for differ. That you may try or test the things that are different. Why did he say excellent? Well, because you're going to differentiate between the excellent and the not excellent. He said that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The wise person has understanding and discernment. This discernment primarily has to do with being able to tell the difference between what is valuable and what is worthless. What is good and what is evil. Fools don't discern. Fools don't realize how precious their time is and will just waste whole days and weeks and months of their life on nothing. Fools don't discern the value of their words and will just say anything that crosses their mind and say the most inappropriate things, the most inappropriate times, and just whatever they feel, they just rattle off, and it hurts people, and it does damage, and it hurts relationships, and they feel bad about it afterwards, but they'll do it again. Because they don't see the value and the importance of what I say, or the value of my time. A wise man... Gets up every day. A wise woman gets up every day. Realizing. I won't always have days. Soon and very soon. The Lord's either going to come. Or I will leave this planet. And I am here. For a specific time. To do some specific things. I don't have a day to waste. How I spend this day. Today is unrecoverable. I could blow money and waste money and I could get more money back. But ever how I spend this day, that's it. So wise people are growing in awareness of what's a waste of my time and what's a good investment. What's a waste of my words and what's a good investment. Having discernment to know what's good and what's bad. 
what's precious and what's worthless. With that in mind, in the uh, third chapter of Philippians, just over a page or so, notice this. Before I read it, let me just remind you what Jesus said in Luke 16. Don't turn there. You're going to chapter 3 here in Philippians. But in Luke 16, Jesus said, what is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The New Living says, what the world honors is an abomination in the sight of God. Jesus said this. He said it to some of the religious leaders who were so covetous. To them, it was all about money. And they changed the word of God with traditions about money. And the scripture said the love of money is the root One translation said of all kinds and all different sorts of evil, and it is. And the reason being is because people are fools. They think that money is more valuable than people. They think that money is more valuable than their time or than a relationship. Did you hear me? It goes In every direction, again and again, when somebody did something foolish, they were not discerning what was valuable and what was worthless. They grabbed for something worthless and gave up something precious. That's a fool. But a wise person will keep passing worthless stuff and hold on to the precious. Can you say amen? In the third chapter, are you there? Philippians 3, in verse 7, Paul, by the Spirit of God, he says, What things were gained to me, I counted them loss for the anointed one. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of For the what? We know that's a wisdom word, don't we? The excellency of the what? Well, we know knowledge and wisdom go together. Of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, garbage, refuse, that I may win Christ, the anointed one. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. That's precious. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's, he said, what is valuable. Knowing him. Walking with Him, being close to Him, understanding Him. And He said, I have suffered the loss of what? Is He crying about it? No. Nah. He said it was just junk anyway. See, God's been doing a number of things in us with this Kingdom of God series. And you can see how it all ties in together, can't you? Why would you be so kingdom of God minded? Because 
It's precious to you. You know, people sometimes they don't understand. Why? They ask me, what's the secret, Brother Keith? Why do your people sow the way they do? I can't get mine to sow. I'm not trying to get mine to sow. I've never asked you to sow. One thing is you sow yourself. Right? Not because you're trying to do something, but because that's what you believe in. That's how you live. Why would I sow, you know, why would you sow and I sow our chunks that we just did a few days ago? Why would you do that instead of keep it and spend it on something else? It was my money. It was your money. Why not do something else with it? Because something is more precious to us than our personal stuff. Makes us willing to sacrifice anything. Oh, come on now. Come on. Makes us willing to walk away from anything. To give anything. Sow anything. Do anything. Why? Because we know through the wisdom of God, we've become enlightened. We know what's important and what's not. What's precious and what's just stuff. Can't last anyway. But see, fools don't know that. Oh, they wouldn't part with their dollar. Oh, it's my dollar. I worked hard for that dollar. Oh, we're not asking you for it. You see what I'm saying now? It's a revelation of what's precious and what's not. And Paul said, I've lost. See, he was somebody. In his community. He had this super education. He was coming up through the ranks. He was the rising star of the biggest sect of the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees. He was their rising star. Wasn't he? He had the respect of his community. He had a voice. He had a future of tremendous advancement in this. And he said, I lost it all. Because I started talking in tongues. (laughs) He did, you know. And they didn't want me in the organization. Well, first of all, he started believing in Jesus. That was the big whopper thing there. And then it just went on from there. And he said, I lost it all. He said, but I count it garbage. Just junk. Why? Because I got the thing that matters most. Knowledge of Him. Glory to God. 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 The Lord's showing us. Can you see it for the last few months here, he's been teaching us, this is precious. This is not. Right? Thing after thing. Why? What is that? We're getting our understanding. We're getting our discernment. We're getting our wisdom. Oh, it's precious. So that we don't waste our time. We don't waste our efforts. We don't waste our energies. We don't waste our resources. We don't waste our life. Glory to God. Now, let me talk a bit about what is precious. 
Go to Matthew 16. No. (laughs) Mark 14. Then we'll go there. Mark 14. Oh, thank you, Master. In Mark 14, notice this. This is such a good example of what we're talking about. Mark 14, verse 3. Being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he, Jesus, as he sat at meat, food to eat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. Now, that's a pretty big description. And how many understand that uh, space in this book is <laughs> extremely vast? What didn't get in this book? Things that weren't important. You could feel the oceans. And so here, the Holy Ghost takes the time to describe it is an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. How many words is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In the Bible, about perfume. <laughs> You see what I'm talking about now? What's the last two words of the description? Very precious. precious. Now if you look it up, you'll see it box meant something. The box was worth money. It was hewn out of stone, precious stone. I mean, this is high dollar stuff. I'm going to stand when the container is worth a thousand dollars, the box it came in, you're into some high dollar stuff. And we see that this, you know, we may not be too familiar with the currency that's talked about there, but we know it was a year's wage. It was an average year income. What would that be today? Well, it varies hugely, but. It's tens, scores of thousands, right? Or more. This is expensive stuff. And so just by on the market, it was very expensive and very precious. But the thing that really made it precious is it was her fluffy. It was the finest thing she had in her house. It was the most expensive And so this goes, how many understand, giving God something, it's not going to make it to heaven. What you put in the offering down here, or what you give to a brother or sister. The currency, they don't need any dollar bills up there. Right? Or any checks. And so if that's all it was, was money and a check, then it went from your account to somebody else's account, and that was it. But if it came out of your heart, I said, if it came out of your heart and it was faith and it was love and it was precious to you, but you're demonstrating that someone else and something else is more precious to you than the most precious thing you got your hand on. It's spiritual. It goes beyond the natural and it comes up before God. I said, we studied this in the offerings of the Lord. It comes up like a sweet smell. 
He inhales it. It ministers to him. God receives it. It's something. That's what's going on on this day. She brings this very precious. We know a couple of reasons at least why. And she broke the box. And dumped the whole thing. On his head. This is not a suit he can preach in. This is not a car or a donkey or a chariot that he can ride to the next meeting. He's going to smell really wonderful for a while. And oh, verse 4, there were some that had indignation within themselves. And they said, why was this waste? This what? Let's see, we see two descriptions here. One says it was very precious. And this says what? Waste. How would you know which one it was? The wisdom of God. Which comes with understanding. Which comes with differentiation, discernment to know. The people that hollered waste, waste, were acting foolishly. They had no discernment of what was going on. The woman's heart of what was happening with Jesus. Why was this waste of this ointment made? It could have been sold for more than 300 pence. A big amount. And it could have been given to the poor. Oh, well, now that sounds good, don't it? You ever heard this kind of thing? Mm-mm-mm. Now, Jesus could have... If he wanted to make a statement about stewardship with resources, it would have been a good place right here. Wouldn't it? It would have been the perfect opportunity if he'd have said, yeah, now sister, I know your heart's right and I appreciate it. But that's not what I've taught y'all. These lavish gifts on each other and on your ministers and uh-uh. No, you really should have put that into feeding the poor. Wouldn't it have been a good time? If he'd have wanted to say, (laughs) you'll see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. He's like, why is this an issue? Why, Why does it get sticky when you start talking about some of these things? Because people don't know what's valuable. Tell me what happened here. What happened here? Somebody, several somebodies, overvalued money and undervalued Jesus. Do you see that? I didn't think that up. The Lord gave that to me today. They overvalued the money and the stuff. They thought, oh, oh, I mean, this is $50,000. $50,000. What we could have done for the poor. We could have built a church down in so-and-so. We could have done this. We could have went overseas and bought Bibles. And we could have done that. We could have. Sure you could. Who says you still can't? See, there's so many problems with this. It would have been such a perfect place 
for Jesus to straighten everybody out on this. Knowing that you and I would be reading this later. He could have said, no, 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 no. Now these gifts to each other like this, no. But instead, what did he say? He reproved them. He said, y'all leave her alone. She's done a good thing. In fact, I'm going to see to it that everywhere in the world from now on where this gospel is preached, this is told. I don't think we've seen that. If he didn't want to make a statement to correct her, he could have just let it lay low. Couldn't he? Well, we won't talk about this. I appreciate it. And I'll receive it from you. But we don't want to talk about this because we don't want to encourage this kind of thing. And what about all the things that are not included in the Bible? John said many other things happen that are not written in this book. But Jesus said, I mean, he told them before this was written, while it was happening, he said, wherever this gospel is preached, this is going to be told. What's going to be told? How this woman brought this very precious, this what? This alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, and dumped it on this preacher. Well, he's the Messiah. Most of them didn't know that. They didn't see that. Do you think, how could they have, with full revelation of him being the Son of God and the Messiah, jump up and go, this is a waste. This is a waste. Here's the thing. It's a problem of not knowing what is valuable. The Lord's dealt with me strong to preach prosperity since I started the ministry. And I've caught more flack over it than anything else. More than healing, more than talking in tongues, more than, oh. It has bugged people to temper fits that we fly in a jet. Or that I would have a nice car or a nice house or nice clothes or something. It bugs people. Why? They don't value what we do. They got no problem with a tire company having a jet that costs 50 times what ours does. Or even a whiskey company. But it's just too much for us. Why? Why? Now, first of all, back up to this. Is any money out of their pocket? No, sir. What business is it of theirs? This woman brings the most precious thing in her house and wants to sow it to this man of God that has done so much, God uses so much in her life, and maybe she's getting revelation that he's beyond just a preacher. But whatever her level of revelation, it's hers. What is it to them? Oh, but it was. They took it personally like, oh, oh. indignation. What does that mean? And they're mad. They're upset. Why? It's not theirs. 
Why do they think it's anything to them? But people do. Oh, they do. <laughs> and people write us and say, what do y'all need a supercharged organ for that costs thousands of dollars? <laughs> Why would anybody want a supercharged organ? <laughs> to play. Why do they make organs? So you can play them. Well, what are they saying? What are they saying? That's too much for y'all. I know the last over in uh, Tulsa, the last house the Lord blessed us with, some people purposely drove by to see it and informed some other folk that that was just too much for us. Why would they care? Why? Now, I'm not just belaboring this for no reason. What's going on here? People do not see value. Why are so many people, you know, they don't want us, you and me, having all this money for the gospel and for other things? Why? They don't see any value in what we're doing here tonight. There's a lot of folk, they wish all the preachers were blown off the planet. They see no value in it. And that's what's wrong with them. These are people who are walking with Jesus. They're supposed to be his most committed sidekicks. And they didn't see his value. They thought the money was more valuable on this day. Can you see this? $50,000. Hmm. What's most valuable? Let me read some things to you here. From the scripture. You don't have to turn to them. Just listen to them. The Bible said in 2 Peter 1.4. Just listen. Don't try to turn to these. There is given to us exceeding. Great. And precious. Promises. That by these. We can be the partakers of the divine nature. The word of God. Is precious. 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 Somebody say precious. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says, The trial of your faith is more precious than gold. Second Peter also says, Precious faith. Is your faith precious? Oh, it's so precious. Faith is much more precious than education. Knowledge. He went on to say that uh, Jesus is the living stone disallowed of men. What does that mean? How could they scourge him? How could they crucify? They're treating him like criminal garbage. Why? They do not see his value. Right? And that's what he prayed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What does that mean? They don't know my value. Disallowed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Somebody say precious. 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 Now James 5, I want to begin thinking about this now. James 5 says, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth. What's precious to him? People. 
the precious fruit of the earth. Go with me to the book of Psalms, please. Psalm 49. Psalm 49 and verse 5. He says, why should I fear in the days of evil? When the iniquity of my heels compass me about, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. Now, we've heard this again and again, but friend, keep it in your mind. Most people are skewed in this area. They think money is more valuable than it is. Most people. There needs to be mind renewal. He said, they that trust in their wealth, they boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. See, whatever you think is valuable is what you will boast or praise. That's why we praise God. Did you know, think of this word, praise, appraise, appraise all. I think somebody, you know, on our Thanksgiving day for our paid in full, if people didn't know, they might think we were bragging. And we were. Because <laughs> brag is another word for praise. You study it in the Psalms. We will make our boast in the Lord. We were bragging, but not on ourselves. We're bragging on him. We're boasting about him. Why? Because he's the most valuable of all. So we just, that's why we talk and talk and talk about him. Why? Because there's nobody more valuable. There's nothing more, more precious or more important than him. Glory to God. Now look what's right in the middle of this. They trust in their wealth. They boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. They think that's the most valuable. None of them can by any means redeem his brother. Nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is what? Precious and it ceases forever. What does that mean? Another way of saying that, it is costly beyond calculation. What is costly beyond calculation? The price of a soul. You cannot calculate it in currency or gold or silver. In fact, there's only one thing in the universe. Precious enough, valuable enough to redeem a soul. Anybody know what that is? Oh, glory to God. It was and it is. What First Peter 1.19 says, you were, 18 says, you were not redeemed from your old lifestyle with corruptible things like gold and silver from your vain conversation, your lifestyle. But he said, you were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb as of a Lamb without blemish and without spot. You're redeemed by the precious, 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 precious. Why? Because the life's in the blood. 
Whose life's in that blood? He had no earthly father. Whose life is in that blood? God's life. Is there anything more valuable than the life force essence of God? Well, he paid it for you. What does that tell you? That tells you that you are precious. You are valuable. People are precious. Say it out loud. People are precious. Not money. Not stuff. Now see, a wise man knows that. A wise woman knows that. A fool does not. A fool will stick a rusty pistol in somebody's face and take their life over some wadded up green paper. That's a fool. That's somebody who doesn't have a clue of what is precious and what is not. And at the other end of the spectrum, the most perfect man who ever walked the earth, willing to go to a cross, willing to give everything he is and he's got to buy us. That's the wisest of the wise. He knew, he knows what truly is precious. It's you. It's me. Hallelujah. Who's the wisest of all? God. And among men, who would be the wisest of men and women? Those who think like he does. Who have made his priorities their priorities. His values, your values. So what value is a car to God? I wouldn't say of no value at all. It'd be like you saying that a little toy car that was your child's favorite was meaningless to you. It ain't so. If they lose it, you might take a half day off work to find the thing. You see what I'm saying? Because it is big stuff to them. And you're his child. But other than its effect to make a person happy or feel blessed or know that they're valued or loved, to him it's worthless. Do you see that now? Which is exactly the way you should see it. Buildings, stuff, technology, Jewelry, clothes, the list goes on and on and on. There should be nothing that we put on a pedestal in and of itself. And it's, it's wonderful. It's, no, it's, it's value is directly determined by your ability to use it to bless somebody. Oh, are y'all seeing this now? If it makes somebody happy, if it blesses them, if it helps them, if it makes it more comfortable and easier for them and takes something off of them, it's valuable because it affected them. But just oven by itself, it's going to melt with fervent heat very soon. Hallelujah. Go to Daniel, please. Daniel 12 and Proverbs 11. 
We're talking tonight, and I think this is our conclusion of our series on this. And the title is, The Wisest of All. And God, of course, is the wisest of all. But among men, to be the wisest of all, how would you have to be? Like him, we've already said it before. But you must see things the way he sees them. Years ago, I was I was first year Rhema student, and a man came to speak to us at school. And uh, man, it got in my spirit. That was many years ago, and it's just as real to me right now. He said he was in New York, Central Park. He's walking around, beautiful day, just fellowshipping with the Lord. And he said, the Lord spoke to him. He didn't hear an audible voice, but inside him he said, what do you see? You know, the Lord asks you questions like that. You know, the Lord asked the man one particular time about the scripture. He said, how do you read that? Remember that? Just not just what's there. How do you read it? It's not just what's there. How do you see it? And so he said, what do you see? And he looked around. He said, all their buildings and cars everywhere. And uh, there's a train coming through and airplanes. And he's looking. So the Lord spoke to him and said, that's not what I see. He said, what do you see, Lord? He said, I, I see people in the car. I see people in the buildings, in the rooms. I see people on the train. I see people in the airplane. See, being carnal means you just see the outside thing. Becoming more spiritual means you see things like he sees them. And every day and every hour of the day and everywhere, it's always about people, 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 people. And if you're in a hurry to go deposit your check and you're rude to somebody, you're clueless. You don't know what's going on in the life. If you're in a hurry to run, save your money, get your coupons. If you butt in front of somebody, if you're short with somebody because your money is threatened, they're going to charge you too much. You think they already have because your money, your money, because you work so hard for your money. (laughs) You're being a fool, right? Because what's important? People. People. I've seen ministers. Lord, help me not to do it. I've seen ministers on their way. To minister to people. Treat people like dirt. Because I got to go minister. To who? To what? People. What's these? You looking for people to minister to? <laughs> How about praying for these you just hurt? You better know what I'm talking about. And it's not just preachers, it's everybody. Every time you open your eyes, what's today about? It's about people. Not just about selling your product. Making your sales, making your quotas. It's about what? And see, the Lord said to me some years ago, he said, most of the people on the planet, Keith, are either dead or asleep. He's talking about Living people. But he's talking about spiritually dead or spiritually asleep. Either way, you don't know what's going on. 
Masses of people get up and go and come home, get up and go and come home and don't have a clue what's going on or how short their life is. But there's some who are alive and awake. The Bible said, awake, rise up from the dead and Christ, the anointed one, will give you light. Oh, glory to God. Dr. John G. Lake was a very educated man, very successful man in business. And at one point, very successful in the insurance business. This is many years ago. And uh, he got so hungry for God and feeding on the Word so much and communing with God, he finally got out of the insurance business. And he tells one reason that led to his decision. He said, I'd be sitting there with a prospective client. That could mean tens of thousands to me. And and we're talking about many years ago. That'd be like millions today. And all I can think about is their soul. (laughs) And just mess up his insurance deal. (laughs) Because he's so focused on their spiritual Condition, and he's finally got out of the insurance business and full time in the soul business. And I'm not saying that's what you should do, but I'm saying there's a whole lot of people that'll never even come close to being in the soul business. And that's all they know and that's all they will know. But you and I should be thinking night and day about people. People. Now let's, are you in Daniel 12? And you also found Proverbs 11? We're going to go right straight from one to the other. Daniel 12. Thank you, Lord. Daniel 12, he's talking about the end of things. This is near the end of this book, this last chapter, right? And he tells him, and he's already shown him about the kingdoms of the world that are going to rise and then how there was this kingdom that was cut out of the mountain not with a human hand and it filled all the earth he's talking about the kingdom of God the everlasting kingdom and uh, he he shows about the resurrection in verse 2 let me read it 12 and 2 and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake it's not the end for our family that we've bodies that we've buried. Uh-uh. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse three, and they that oh yeah. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. That's you and me. Because getting our wisdom doesn't stop. It just keeps going. And keeps going. And keeps increasing. And you can't see it all now. But in the future, our glorified bodies will permit this. And what's on the inside of us will radiate out. (laughs) And we will be luminescent beings. We are, and it will be more demonstrated that we are like our God, beings of light. And what is this wisdom? 
It's God's wisdom. It's Him. In us. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. That's us. That's those of us who know what's valuable. Who don't waste our life on things that are not going to matter a hundred years from now. Oh yeah, there's a lot of natural things that you do and it's to be done over and over again. You wash your clothes, you, you vacuum the carpet, you cut the grass, you comb your hair, it just needs to be combed again right away. <laughs> you take a bath and it's to do over again right away. And that's what the preacher we read about last Sunday in Ecclesiastes. That's why he said, vanity of vanities. See, as his wisdom increased, he saw, what a waste. <laughs> it's a waste. What's the value of it? We're all going to die. It's, but the child of God that's born again knows why. And that there is a purpose. And when you use your life for the kingdom of God, every bath is worth something. Every hair combing and tooth flossing and brushing is not meaningless. Because why are you doing it anyway? Well, to fix this body that's decaying up as best I can to go do some kingdom business. Oh, come on now. So every hair curling and spraying and, and every sock putting on and shoe shining is not a waste. It's not a waste. It's not a waste of time. Why? Because we are being used of God to turn Many to righteousness. God's way of doing things. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, do you see this? People think it's a waste. Did you have to replace all that glass out there? Why couldn't we just patch it and do this and that? Is that waste? No. Well, we clean this carpet. It's got to be cleaned again. Every swipe. Is kingdom significant. Those bathrooms just get dirty again. Yeah, but isn't it great? I mean, if we were just, you know, making cups or something, (laughs) or or screws or bolts, it'd be different. Mr. Wells, what I do, I make screws. Yeah, but are you kingdom minded? See, your whole business can take on a kingdom orientation if you get your priorities and heart there. And if what you're doing really is kingdom first. Go to Proverbs now, please. 11. Who's the wisest of all? Well, among men, who would be the wisest? Those that turn are used of God to turn men to righteousness. Proverbs 11, 28. He that trusts in his riches, what happened to them? They'll fall. But the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He that troubles his own house, will inherit the wind. You know, 
hurting your spouse is really being a fool. Because it's hurting yourself. Paul said that in writing to the saints at Corinth when he had to correct them. But then he talked about him not wanting to be too severe and wanting them to restore. Because he says, if I make you sad, who makes me happy? Did you get that? Yeah, you're going to pitch a fit. And you see people all the time, they're just fools. They just blow off, you know, the handle and just do all kind of stuff. And then they realize, "Uh uh-oh, I messed up our day. Now I want you to be happy. Let's go have fun. Oh, you don't want to? (laughs) And then you're thinking, duh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I didn't mean to mess my own day up. (laughs) Yeah, but you did. Why? Because you're being a fool. A wise person would have thought, now if I say that, and they'll think this, and they'll take it that way, and I don't even know if they know what to do with that after I tell them. And I don't know the whole answer myself to tell them. If they say, okay, I'll do it, what's the answer? I better be quiet (laughs) and pray about it, right? And look at this some more. And let's just be happy today and have a good, right? You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) I know that sounds simple, but that is the wisdom of God. He said, he that troubles his own house is going to inherit the wind. And the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. Well, you know, we should become wise because there's a lot of fools. I mean, we'd have a lot of servants. Verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And come on, you see this? And what? And he that wins souls... Is what? Is what? Who's the wisest of all? The person who has come to understand that people are the most valuable thing on the planet. People. Now we need to qualify this. Because somebody said, yeah, I, I know it. I know it, Brother Keith. And that's why I do not let anybody walk by me that I don't ask them if they've been born again and just won't even let them go till they say that they're, that ain't what it said. He that what? Specific word. He that what? Wins. How are you going to win people? See, people have reduced this and twisted it into an uncomfortable, are you saved? Did you know you can corner somebody And by just being annoying and rude, stay and make them uncomfortable until they do whatever you want them to do. So you'll quit and go away. And that does not mean they were born again. And it does not mean they were one to the Lord. If you look up this word, it's a victory even like a military. Like you went into the enemy's camp. And you took somebody he had. (laughs) This is translated take. Many times. You don't just 
get them to pray a prayer with you, and then you run away. You win them. They are won over to another way of life. They are won over to another way of existence. Another way of thinking. So we just got through reading in Daniel, turned to righteousness. Oh, can you see this? This is not something you just do in five minutes. You know, the Bible in Acts didn't say you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall go a witnessing <laughs> from time to time as things are scheduled and arranged. Well, I'm not saying anything wrong with knocking a door or talking to somebody on the street. I'm not saying that. But he didn't say you will go a witnessing. You will be a witness. That's something that you are 24-7 everywhere all the time. And the Bible said it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And I'm excited because you're getting it. You, you people right in here, you're getting it. And I'm getting it. All these so-called Pentecostal handshakes. And taking people out and blessing them and loving on them. You're not just trying to corral them into making a confession. What are you after? You're winning them. With what? Here's the thing. Go to Matthew 5. I need to tell you this way from the scripture. Oh, this is important. Mm -mm -mm -mm. He that winneth souls, wins, wins, souls is wise. Let me remind you something while you're turning there. In Proverbs 18, 19, it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Their their contentions are like the bars of a castle. You do not want to offend people unnecessarily. You make them doubly, triply, quadruply hard to win. If not you, the next person that would come by to win them. Phyllis used to oversee doctor's offices. And she'd hired primarily ladies and train them more than one office. And again and again, they hired unsaved people, people who are not born again. Some people asked about that. Well, why don't you just hire Christians only? Well, you're supposed to be led. But invariably, I don't think you had a one that y'all hired that lasted over about three months or so that didn't get saved. And they didn't corner them. They didn't pressure them. They didn't try to push Jesus off on them on the job. What they did do, what she did do, is love them. Anybody understand what that word means now? Love them. Now, the word love cannot be separated from the word value. To love somebody, why would you love them? Why? Why would you esteem them? Why would you have such a high esteem? Now, see, that's another word. We saw praise and appraise. Esteem, estimation, which is their value. Oh, people are so hungry for this. I'm telling you, 
Today, there are so many people, they didn't get it from their parents. They didn't get it from their school. They didn't get it. Some people do, but I'm saying there are some that haven't, and they're just starving for somebody that would genuinely see them as valuable and genuinely care about them and believe in them without wanting something in return. And that just happens to be your and my commandment. That is the New Testament commandment that we're to love each other the way he loved us. How did he love us? He loved us so much that he was willing to pay everything, everything. So it shouldn't be a thing thought strange that we would hand a stranger a bracelet, that we would take a stranger out and buy them some new clothes and pay off their car. And, and people think, what? wow, what, why are they doing all that? Ah, it's this new church growth formula. <laughs> well, it is a church growth principle, but it ain't new. And it's not a formula. It's called love. And you're not doing it because you're trying to put another notch on your pistol handle. You're doing it because you genuinely care about that person and you see in them things they don't see maybe they're messed up maybe they're full of drugs maybe they're full of sin but you know how God cleaned you up and fixed you up and you can see what he could do with them so you see something in them they don't see and oh how precious that is how precious that is Matthew 5 think I'm closing Matthew 5, Jesus said, Matthew 5.20, I say to you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, you shall not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now let's just stop right here. This is the 180 degrees from love. Isn't it? Talk about not valuing somebody. You value them so little, you want to rob them of their next breath. You don't want them on the planet. You want to take away Everything they have or ever will have on this earth. That's the 180 degrees of love. You value them not at all. And he said you were taught under the law you shall not kill. And if you kill then you are deserving of death yourself. Judgment. But here Jesus is bringing spiritual light. They learned about righteousness from the law. But like John said, he is bringing now grace and truth. And he says, you heard that. Verse 22, but I say to you, that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. Why why do people 
lose their temper, say such mean and hurtful things, or use their hands and their feet and hurt people, why would you hit your family member? Why would you hurt them? Because at that moment, you have no cognizance, no awareness of their value. You cannot be looking at them and thinking about how precious they are and how valuable they are. Yeah, and so I'm going to break a bone. Impossible. All you can be thinking about is how you feel. And that is so carnal and devilish. The Bible says love does no ill to his neighbor. No hurt, no harm, no ill. Neighbor means nearby, whoever's close around you. Whoever you happen to be sitting by right now. These kind of people are not armrest hogs. Are they? No. <laughs> you see people, I mean, you know what they got this commercial on now, and I've been there, where the person comes in on the airplane, and they got their bag, and they go boom, 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 hitting the back of the heads of the people. I've been there. I've had my head hit with a bag. Why would people do that? Because they live in their own little world where uh, if their forehead was a TV screen, all the shows are about me. Even the commercials are about me. They're even me reruns because it's all about me and where I'm going and what I think and how I feel and what kind of day I, 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 and it's no wonder that they're so bored and nauseated half the time. <laughs> and miserable and unhappy. They are miserable and unhappy. Because that much dose of me will make you sick. <laughs> Nauseous. But why do people do that? You see people, man, they just, and one thing that bothers me, you see so many young people, so many children nowadays in public places, they'll push an adult out of the way. They'll just run across things. No respect. Why? Because their parents didn't teach them. Why didn't their parents teach them? Because they don't have it. And a lot of them, because their parents didn't teach them. We're getting into multi-generational failure. And people think, well, you're just talking about, you know, being proper. Man, I'm talking about valuing the human being that's next to you. And being such a man, such a woman, that you would rather be uncomfortable than to make them uncomfortable. That is the law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens. He preferred... To go to hell himself. Rather than you and me having to go. To take the chastisement of our peace himself. Letting somebody get ahead of you is nothing. (laughs) In light of that. Hmm? 
sitting scrunched up on the airplane so they can have more room is nothing compared to that. Mr. Well, I don't see what's the big deal. I know you don't. That's the problem. That's why we're talking about it tonight. It's so much easier just to flesh out. Hmm? Yeah. Just come sit down. Ah, excuse me. Yeah. Could you move over and put my Bible right there? Because you know God is dealing with me and I got to get something out of this service tonight. So y'all don't bother me and give me plenty of room because I got to focus. And <laughs> Run three people off the road getting in the parking lot. Somebody was just about to get a parking place and you were able to dart in ahead of them. Because we got to go in and learn about the commandment of love. We already know something about it. We've heard about it many times. It's time to do it. Do it. And you are. You're beginning to do it. Oh, there's a lot of room to grow. A lot of room to grow. But you're beginning to do it. We're hearing testimonies about it, aren't we? We're seeing how people come in. Everybody likes to be treated as they're important. Everybody. And a lot of people get none of it from anywhere. And that's why when you look at them and you see them through God's eyes and they are the apple of his eye and they might be a fleshy mess but he has eyes of faith too. And he knows what they can be and by his grace what they will be. And he just needs somebody like you that can express that to them and help them to again to see their self the way he sees them. There's been a handful of people in my life. Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, one of them. My own natural dad and mom's others. And several people that, thinking of Brother Hagin right now, first started with him, he'd call on me to do things. And I'd think, huh? He'd call me, you know, I helped him, I sang with him in his services, and he'd call me five minutes before the service supposed to start. He'd say, what you doing, boy? I said, I'm studying. He said, I expect you need to. <laughs> you wouldn't have to know who did him. He'd just call and he'd say, what you got on your mind besides water? <laughs> I said, well, i just getting ready for the service. He'd say, you go on and take it today. We'll see you. Click. Five minutes. Barely enough time to get there. Five minutes. People are there with critical needs. They came to hear him. (laughs) Now, what do you do in a situation like that? Now, see, this is something... I must believe about me what he believes. He knows how important it is. This was the healing school usually that these people get what they need on healing. He was paralyzed on the bed himself, hopeless. He knows this is not play. 
He knows where I am in my experience. He knows those things. And yet still, do this. Then I must believe that the God that's in him believes that he and me can do what needs to be done. And over a period of months and years, over and over this kind of thing, you come to see yourself in a different light. You come to conduct yourself in a different way. It's because you begin to see yourself in him. You begin to see yourself through God's eyes. And you'll find it's one of the most valuable things anybody else ever did for you was to genuinely love you and genuinely believe in you. Now that is not some of the mushy stuff people think it is. Believing in people, loving people is not the same thing as giving in to them at all. But then as that happens, God has been doing this. He's been putting into you, putting into you, putting into you, putting into you. So that what? So that you can put into someone else. And you can look them in the eye and say, yeah, you can. Yes, you can. The greater one's inside you. Oh, there's a lot more in you than what you think. You think I can do that? I know you can. With God's grace and help, I know you can. Come on, I'll pray with you right now. Let's do it. And what it is, is loving people. Seeing the value. Let me finish reading this. He said, if you'll say, you shall not kill. Verse 22, but I say to you that whoever is angry without his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Reka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall say, you fool, will be in danger of hellfire. Now, Jesus called people fools. Did you know that? Matthew 23, 17, you don't have to turn there. He said, you fools and blind. He said it again in verse 19. You fools and blind. Luke eleven forty. You fools. Luke 24, 25. You fools. He called people fools several times. And uh, Paul called people fools. In 1 Corinthians 15, 36, he said, you fool. That which you sow is not quickened except it die. Talking about the resurrection. There were some people saying some really dumb stuff. And he said, well, if you die, what kind of body would you be raised up in? He said, you fool. (laughs) So is he in danger of hellfire? Well, he's inspired by the Holy Ghost to say it. No, there's different word used here for fool. And if you look it up, you'll see. In fact, let me read it to you. He says, if you say, whoever's angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Reka, the, this translation says, empty-headed, and empty is the word, empty. Because the English version says, you worthless fool. And that is the emphasis. Worthless. In other words, you are a mental and moral zero. Why so serious? Why judgment so serious? Because it is the violation of the New Testament commandment, and the devil uses it 
to undermine people's confidence and faith. Doesn't he? And he most particularly wants to use people that are close to each other. That have a place in their life to get mad or get hurt and say some stupid stuff to try to indicate you are worthless. He says you're in danger of hellfire. Why? That's acting like a non-believer. That's acting like a non-Christian. So here's the thing. No matter what goes on or how mad you get or how upset you get, you never lose the picture of the value of the person that you're talking to. And you make yourself see their worth and see their value And even when you're the most upset with them, you're still ready to tell them, but you can do it. You can be it. You're precious. I'm not too happy with you right now. (laughs) But you are precious. You're valuable. I love you. I believe in you. I don't like what you just did, and I'm not going to say I do, and it's not okay. And I'm unhappy about it. But I love you no matter what. And I believe in you. You can fix this. That's the wisest person of all. Who never lets anything blind them from the preciousness of the people they're looking at at the moment. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.